Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite. With just two capsules a day, Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat, and support your weight management journey. And right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com, the lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Hey y'all, hey, what's up? And welcome to Let's Red Table Bats. I'm Tracy T. Rowe. And I'm Cara Presley, over here feeling successful. How are you feeling today about... Today's episode, Tracy, my You know what? Let me say something to you. Today's episode, okay. Today's episode, Cara, I dare say it was beyond everyday amazing. <laughs> Today's episode was phenomenal because we were able to learn so much. First of all, Constance Wu is a G. She is super strong. <laughs> she she is. is. She really is. She is. She really is. I mean... She's a trailblazer. Come on. She has taken the weight of the world and her culture mm-hmm. on her shoulders. Mm-hmm. Hello. Mm-hmm. And I just, watching that episode, I was a full spectrum of emotions. Listen. I was sad. Yeah. I was angry. <laughs> I was exhausted. I mean, you think about it. It was all of that. It really was. Because here's this woman who is just wanting to mm-hmm. be an actor. Mm-hmm. She just wants to share her skill with the world. And she has the burden of her whole culture and community. And they have no dang on idea what she was enduring silently, privately, painfully. Mm-mm. And I just hearing it and seeing her, I mean, th- virtually in tears Yeah, no. before she could get, I mean, it was like immediate. I just felt for her. This is why people don't explain what they're going through, though, because they feel like they have Mm. to to be understood or heard or listened to. And I mean, at the end of the day, I appreciate her for sharing her story. I appreciate this episode. Like, we definitely in society focus on like falling in love and having everything go your way and not be ideal. And 
Baby, this season of Red Table Talk, we are talking about falling off, falling to the side. We are using new languages of alienation, estrangement, isolation. People are going through things, and we've got to share yeah. these stories because and that's the not real alone. talk of it, right? Right? No one's that's alone. The real talk, real talk. People need to see this. You know, the whole idea of suffering and silence oh. needs to be over because if you can be a keyboard cowboy <laughs> and you know, wrangle in people and you haven't even seen them, you don't know them from Adam, you should be able to watch a show like Red Table Talk and understand these are people. You're dealing with humans and emotions and you don't know what that person is going through. So stop stop it. If you can't say something positive, then, you know, maybe you don't need to say Right, because you don't know. You truly do not know what people are going through out here. We are... At the very beginning of fall, headed into winter, and I don't know if you've heard about it, people go through seasonal depression all the time. And things like this are because why? Because they they feel like they can't speak their truth. So I'm happy that she's speaking her truth, and we are speaking ours, and we are going to table all of this in this episode. You know, one of the things I also love about this episode is that not only are we connected because it's Red Table Talk and it's Let's Red Table That, mm-hmm. but you have a connection with Constance Wu. I do. Yeah, you listen. She is from Richmond, Virginia. I mean, right here in the same city and state. Uh, We didn't go to the same high school, but we were in the same district. I mean, you guys literally were in school at the same time. Same time. She was born in 82. So was I. I read and saw that her father taught at VCU, a local college. That's why she was here. But she went to Freeman. I went to Verona High School. Did you guys ever compete? Well, I do know for sure our football team definitely beat hers. That's what I do know. Um, Wait a minute, you're trying to talk about it. Let me know, but okay, Constance, I don't think you need to let her have that. We need some facts. Listen, I know, I know, Verona High School definitely beat your team. I might have to look up the score, I'm gonna find it. Constance, you come on here and get car. Yeah, (laughs) listen, we have love for you. That was eons ago, many, many, many years ago. Now it's time to share what our online Red Table Talk community has to say about this episode. Carl, we had so many fantastic comments. You want to read the first one? I will. Michelle Miranda Sinclair said, I come from the Asian community and the community's response does not surprise me. So much is wrong with how we blame the victim. Constance, good for you for speaking about this. Yes, I appreciate that Mm. as well. I'm glad Constance decided to say, let Mm -hmm. me just tell my story. Super important. That is so important. And, you know, we got another fantastic response from Rocio Salazar. And, Rocio, you said, I did not know she went through so much pain and hurt. I loved Crazy Rich Asians and Fresh Off the Boat. I hope she continues to grow, and I wish nothing but the best for her. Thank you so much for those wonderfully loving comments. We need that. We need to send her light and love. Yes, we definitely agree. Another comment. Wow, she's a warrior. Thank you for sharing, Constance. It must have been terrifying facing so much hate and dealing with so much internal suffering. Protect your peace against all odds. And the praying hands emoji. And this is from Nikki Elizabeth Hobbs. Yes, Nikki Elizabeth Hodge. I am with you with the praying hands. We also know that those hands were were, um, supposed to be high five. Yeah. (laughs) We've just taken over. I thought about that for a moment. We just made them praying Mm -hmm. hands. Praying hands and high five, all in that same comment. So fantastic. We appreciate that comment too. And Melissa Darpino says she kept apologizing for crying when there was no need to. I'm over here bawling for her. Oh, Melissa. Sometimes tears are necessary. I understand that They're cathartic. There's, there's so, you get relief right, right. from that purge of crying. Absolutely. So I get it. I was crying with her, Melissa. Right. You and me both. We're going to take a quick break, but when we get back, we will be joined by two incredible guests from our Red Table Talk community. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. 
Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. And today we're bringing two fellow RTT community members to the virtual red table. Listen, Alice Soy is a music teacher and social activist in New York City whose impassioned speech at a New York City Stop Asian Hate rally went viral last year. Alice started seeing her mental health as a priority only recently, in part because of the pandemic, I think like a lot of us. And she's here today to share about her mental health journey and the difference therapy has made in her life. Thank you, Alice, for joining us today on Let's Red Table That. Yes. Thank you, Alice. Thank you. Dr. Jenny Wang is an author and licensed psychologist specialized in helping her clients understand the impact of racial trauma and racial identity on their mental health. Her new book, Permission to Come Home, is a guide for Asian Americans as well as other marginalized people for prioritizing their mental health while understanding and honoring the richness of their heritage and embodying a new, complete, and whole identity. Welcome to the virtual red table, Dr. Jenny. I love that. A whole identity. We need to make sure we have whole identities. Mm -hmm. Thank you for being here with us today. And thank you both for having this time and sharing this space with us. Yeah. Oh, we're going to get into some conversations. I'm excited about it. So let's get into it. It is time for the part of the show where we reveal which moments made us pause. I mean, yes. really rewind, stop and listen again and say, wait, wait what? Now, what? what was that exactly? So let's talk about it. So Constance revealing that she kept her onset harassment a secret because she didn't want to sully the reputation of Fresh Off the Boat or Asian Americans attached to the show. And the thing that was most painful was he was so derogatory and harassing towards me. But because this show was sort of a beacon of representation for Asian Americans, Mm. and I sort of became a symbol of representation, I didn't want to sully the one show with sexual harassment claims against the one Asian American man who was doing all this better work for the community. Have you ever been in a situation like this where you felt like you couldn't speak up because you valued the reputation of another person or a company over your pain? You know, I think as women, we are protectors. Mm. We are people who want to shield others from pain, from harm, from a sullied reputation. And I think that as Asian Americans, we have watched our parents do that for us, right? Mm. They've protected us. They've kept their mouths shut because it could cost them a lot, could cost their livelihoods. And so I think that in many ways, I was modeled that as a child in being a child of immigrants, being Asian American and being a daughter. Mm -hmm. I was taught that you actually shouldn't speak up. You should actually swallow the suffering, because that actually was seen as a strength in our culture sometimes. And being the strong person was at times more important than being the honest person. Mm -hmm. Mm. Oh, that's powerful, Dr. Jenny. Thank you for that, too, because I'm as I'm like rethinking about it, it's like we protect others and then who protects us? Right. So like, where is the handoff in that? How can we both be protected in this and honor our culture and honor how hard it was to get to this point. Alice, have you experienced anything like that at all? Yeah, I actually was going to say something very similar to Dr. Jenny because that idea of, in Chinese culture, swallowing bitterness, it means literally that you just take the pain and you silence yourself. So even if I did want to speak up for or to help my parents in moments where I felt that they were discriminated against, I didn't know that I could just in my own parents' eyes. And so with that being so pervasive in Asian American culture, even though I am the oldest sibling, there's so much that we are burdened with in a way that I think 
can make yeah. that difficult. And having internalized that for so long, how can we then speak up, right? Who yeah. are we speaking up for if that is against everything that we've learned, right? Mm. The oxymoronic position of being in a land where you're taught to stand up for your rights and fight and then culturally being taught not to do that is mm-hmm. unbelievably complicated. Yeah. Mm. Willow pointed out that the reaction to Constance's tweets wouldn't have been so visceral if there were more sources of Asian American representation in mainstream media. I feel like the reaction wouldn't have been as visceral if there were more representation beforehand, maybe? A hundred percent. I think you hit it on the nose. I think it's because... It's because of the lack, lack thereof of representation. That people are like, oh, this is our Don't, one This chance. is all we have. Yeah. I personally would agree that it is really hard to be in such a position I can only imagine that Constance was in, where there were so many harsh reactions. And as she named also, within the Asian American community... I feel that in my own experience, when I have spoken out personally, I received the most backlash from Asian American people. And also to be specific, Asian American men who Really? really had a tough time just with an Asian American woman speaking out. It's very much against what we in society have internalized about Asian women being obedient or soft spoken, these tropes and unfortunate norms, I suppose, that have continued over time. So I also wonder then what additional burdens that she had to carry that even though she was able to have this discourse with everyone that we still are unaware of. And what does she continue to carry? And what is swallowed? What else is swallowed? What was the word that you used for swallow bitterness? In Chinese, it's shiku. Shiku. Mm. Mm -hmm. You just silence yourself and you take it. Wow. Dr. Jenny, <laughs> come. we need to get a professional, medical right, professional. <laughs> How does this impact your medical health and well-being? Absolutely. When we think about the importance of voice in psychology, mm. the importance of being able to self-advocate, to even just speak honestly about our experiences, and in many shapes and forms, that being prohibited Mm. because that might bring shame upon your culture, your community, your family. And so that idea of tsuku, it comes from generational trauma because Mm. Asians in their homelands were subjected to colonialism, were subjected to occupation. Coming from Taiwan, my parents lived under martial law where Mm. if you said anything, you could be taken away and you would disappear in the middle of the night. So think about what that means in terms of the psychology of people who live under oppression for decades. And often as immigrants, we then come to a new country and it's still terrifying. You know, Mm -hmm. when my mother came here, she couldn't speak English. So the thought Mm -hmm. of answering the phone and having to say hello and then not knowing what that person was saying not knowing if potentially our visa was up, not knowing if your electricity was going to be cut off. Those are things where you're under a state of constant fear. Mm -hmm. And so I think that fear also grips us as a community, a fear of invisibility. Mm. This was our chance. Right. And they said that in the, Mm -hmm. in the interview, this was our one chance to really have some sort of representation and to not be grateful, to not be willing to suck it up for our community. And that's the the heartbreaking part of this is nobody knew what she was Mm -hmm. going through. Mm -hmm. That part, it's, it's hard to put together the fact that this isn't just like people minimizing what she's going through and ignoring her like in her circle of entertainment or as people say like being blackballed like the entire culture all together just we're done with it bless her heart yeah i wanted to know how do you think people would have reacted if they had known what she Mm. was going through i think the optimistic side of me would have hoped that people could offer her compassion and empathy and rallied behind her and said my goodness what you've had to subject yourself to in order to carry our community forward. 
But to be honest, I think some people would have still criticized her, yeah. would have still mm-hmm. found ways to pull her down. Wow. And that, I think, is the most heartbreaking part of all yes. of this, right? Alice, you shared about how when you spoke up, people from our own community spoke out against you. Right. And I just, I agree with you. And I think that when we, whenever we are a first in anything, a first mm-hmm. to be a representative, even if we don't necessarily see ourselves in that light, there will inevitably be pressure that is placed on us, pressure that we didn't call for ourselves. I even think back to moments of the rally when I was the first Asian American woman to speak at that event. When you looked at my face and shied away from my gaze, people were terrified in 2020 of my mask and two eyes. You used to regard me by my Asian persuasion. I remind us that we're all part of one nation. Woo! We're spreading animosities and the black eyed peas. Can I have some peace with my black eyes, please? I think about 40 plus minutes had passed by with no female speaker to a point mm. where the people at the front started to get very, I would describe, anxious, starting to ask, when will we hear a female voice? When will mm-hmm. we really hear a female Asian American voice? Mm-hmm. It almost gave me additional pressure that, oh, I must honor this moment in a way that is beyond me. And that's really Mm. hard for anyone to shoulder. How did you manage it? I knew that my voice is important. And even though it wasn't something that I always was taught or internalized as a kid through my work as an educator, through my work in being with students, with youth, and hearing how students can share not only that their voice is important, that their voice can bring them joy, can bring them hope, can bring them justice. That has really personally inspired me to share my voice more. So I credit that really to thinking about my students and why it is important for us to continue to share our stories, our joy, our resilience, our arts, our music, and so much more of our humanity. Mm. Mm-hmm. I love that for you, Alice, <laughs> because how many people just haven't found their voice yet, you know, or still are holding on to that? <sighs> just that, I hate to say burden. You do want to honor your culture, but what will they think of me? Still considering other people's opinions and emotions and considerations outside of what you truly need as well to honor your own self and your own culture. Like, what can I do to add my piece to it? And you did it and you're doing it. So I love that for both of you. As much as it is terrible and horrible for us as women of color to know what it's like to be silenced and Mm -hmm. unseen, it is also that much more riveting to be here with you two today to see that in spite of all the things that could have stacked against you and kept you silent, you prevailed. I was in tears watching Constance because to be able to sit at that table and share her absolute truth and whoever wants to talk about a suicide attempt. Mm-hmm. That is probably one of the most private, painful, personal things anyone can ever consider. And for her to share that, knowing all that you have shared about how important it is to honor the culture, I cannot imagine the pressure that she must have felt and still feels now to have been in a position where she openly shared that. I felt like nothing I could ever do would be enough. I felt like the only thing that would prove to her that I felt as bad as she thought I deserved to feel would would be if I died. What do you think? Does that add to the shame for her that she shared that she attempted suicide? How does it not add to the shame, right? right? And I think in a culture where mental health is seen as a disability in a culture where mental health is seen as you no longer are able to care for your loved ones. It's seen as something that takes away from one's life, right? And is so stigmatized. The shame of even saying, I feel sad sometimes is already really intense. And so I think for her to come out and actually say, I was no longer safe. Mm. I was not in a place where I could keep myself safe. That takes such a huge step of courage for many communities of color. That's right. Because the stigma is great. And so I think that 
when we get to a point of that type of despair, we realize that shame in silence and isolation breeds. Yes. Yes. And when she was able to have her friend help her go to the ER, go to the hospital, when she was able to speak her pain, the pain no longer wrapped the shame in a way that kept her trapped. Mm, and mm, I think that's mm. really powerful. That is powerful. That is really powerful. If you have not included something like that in your book yet, Dr. <laughs> Jenny, just go back and, and incorporate that for the follow-up, okay? Because that that is so <laughs> impactful. It really is. Right. I'm just, my mind is blown. I'm telling y'all, I literally have all these questions and things I want to keep asking because we rarely get to see behind the velvet rope of the mm. Asian American community. Let me preface that by saying, I know neither of you are in a position where you can be the voice for the entire culture, Mm -hmm. right? That you can speak from your own lens and your own perspective. Just like I can't say for all Black women in the world, it's this. I just want to hear from you, from your own perspective, for what's happened since 2016 to date. How are you doing? I have so many thoughts and feelings in response to that. But Tracy, I just wanted to say first, thank you for naming that, that we are not the voice for the Asian American community, because that is exactly what Constance found herself in, in that position. Mm -hmm. And so I hope that as we continue to share our voices and listen to different perspectives, that we hold space for nuance in each other's lives within Mm -hmm. our culture And one thing in terms of thinking about stigmas to break and to just address is when she said that she felt selfish for thinking of herself first. And I feel like that's something that is so cultural as well, that we're taught not to think of ourselves first, whether it is thinking about for our family or at all. Right. Absolutely. That if I am thinking about myself, then I'm really not showing deference or filial piety, or reverence, really, at that point, to those who are older, the elders in my family, my lineage, my community, whoever they may be. And so how am I doing? I guess I'm trying to really disrupt all of that, personally. Unlearn it, friend. Unlearn it. Yes. Yes, because it's, it's a mix of, yes, we still want to honor our ancestors, the things that have been passed down, things, values, etc. But we can still also be our whole selves. And so where do we strike that balance? And I think that so often we're looking for a very cookie cutter way or a specific framework. But the truth is that it's different for all of us. And it, it shouldn't be the same. We really shouldn't be looking for a specific framework. And the more that we talk about ourselves, the more that we have conversations and across communities for you as Black women and then ourselves as Asian women, that is in itself so important Mm -hmm. for us to just disrupt whatever status quo it currently is. Mm. Dr. Jenny, how are you? (sighs) It has been a couple years is my response. (laughs) I think being a mental health kind of practitioner, we almost got like an intimate lens into how people mm. were coping, not just pandemic, but, you know, seeing many Asian American clients, it was pandemic plus anti-Asian hate. Plus, really, that was all alongside Black Lives Matter. It was alongside so many social issues. And here in Texas, right, school shootings, there were so many things that were activating our nervous systems. Having ways to cope with that, that were helpful, that were small enough that I didn't have to feel exhausted to take care of myself, right? It wasn't that I had two or three hours in a day to take care of myself. I had to find moments to do it. Maybe it was two minutes to do it because we were... I mean, we were compressed from all sides. I'm hopeful because, Tracy, you were saying earlier, it's a very rare experience to almost pull back the curtain in our community. And I feel like maybe for the first time in my life, people are even interested in wanting to see behind the curtain. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because for so much of my life, I felt as though people didn't even see me as 
having a race. I was invisible. Oh, wow. I you was were the other. The other. The other category. The box that you check where you might fill in something, but that may or may not matter. And I think in the last few years with Stop Asian Hate and all of these concurrent things, our community kind of said, you know what? We're sick of being other. We're sick of having other people tell our stories. Mm -hmm. And I think, like Alice said, when we started to verbalize this idea that we actually had a place here. Right. That allowed us psychologically to take up space in a way that our community's never done before. That part. And be safe. That part. Exciting. for the first time in decades, people are actually seeking out therapy and they're saying, I want to work on my racial identity. That was never a reason Mm -hmm. people sought therapy, especially Asian American clients, five, ten years ago. You know, I think that that needs to be a standard. Yes, a hundred percent. That should be woven into depression treatment. That should be woven into anxiety. (laughs) That should be woven into the full experience. Because my guess is how you see the world and how the world sees you impacts all of those mental health components, right? right. So I am tired some days, but I am so excited many days. Oh, I love that. I love that. Because you guys are doing the work, like acknowledging your own voice in the middle of what others may assume to be a cultural voice, assumed to be. You're saying, that's not exactly how I feel. And I love that for all of us. I feel like that's exactly why this podcast exists. In the spirit of individuality, as we continue to move forward, now that we're talking about Constance Wu's journey and everything that's happened, what was your true reaction when the tweets happened, whether internal or external, when she first tweeted them? I would say for me, I honestly did not know how to feel, but I felt a strange pressure to have to feel something because everyone in the community was either having to feel something as well or really truly felt something. So there was this collective, like, what are you thinking? What are you feeling that's happening that was hard for me to grasp and honestly Mm -hmm. just left me more confused than Mm -hmm. anything because at the end of the day, it's a tweet. You don't have the full story. For me as an educator, when I teach children, I remember that or I keep in mind that I only see students for X amount of time during a day. Mm, right. So when children as young as pre-K through fifth grade, those are the, the grades that I teach for music, I see them being their musical selves. I see them share who they are, but I can never know the full story without years of relationship building and knowing their families and understanding the community. So how can we make a judgment on one person's one moment? And yet mm-hmm. that still happened. Absolutely. And continues to happen. Right. Right. Well, because we create our own stories. We are excellent storytellers. You can just see one thing and it'll ignite that flame that you make a story up. I think we all have, I don't know, these preconceived notions and we don't give people the benefit Mm. of the doubt. Or we want to feel like we belong with the masses in some cases Mm. and just go along to get along. You know, I think this is why I'm not on Twitter. (laughs) Mm, Right. (laughs) Because I think it feeds a frenzy within seconds, Mm -hmm. right? That part. And Mm -hmm. it doesn't promote question asking. It promotes the labeling, the judgment, the let me analyze this five-word sentence. And it does not invite people into conversation. And so when it came out, I didn't see it on Twitter because I'm not on there, but I saw it come up in social media, right? It was like Constance Wu, blah, blah, blah. And I think my initial thought was like, and I think this comes from just being a psychologist. And I always tell my kids, I'm a professional question asker. Mm -hmm. That's Mm -hmm. my job. And so it just prompted questions like, whoa, this is maybe not what I expected, 
but I don't know. I'm not sure. What would prompt her to say something like that? Mm -hmm. And I think that curiosity is often what's missing. And I think Constance said that in the episode, right? That had people even just took the moment to pause and say, hold on, what's going on? How is she? We would have perhaps seen more. And so I think for Constance, I wish we had taken a moment to just ask. Just ask a simple question. This is why aimless scrolling is like dangerous, right? In my opinion, (laughs) because I just feel like if you're scrolling and you're not in the best place, one of those in-between moments where you're trying to find a break, but you're really mad about something at work, you see a tweet like that. And you're like, oh, I can't believe she's in the best position ever. How could she even start to feel? Whereas like me just personally, because I'm normally minding my business. When I read it, I was like, oh, she probably just didn't want to end vacation. Like clearly she's off work. And that's (laughs) so perspective is so important. Diversity of thought is so important. Yes. Become a part of the fast growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. National Latino and Asian American study reported that while 18% of general U.S. population sought mental health services and resources in recent years, only 8.6% of Asian Americans did so. Dr. Janney, can you explain some reasons why this could be? Absolutely. I think we can start with what we've talked about before, which is the stigma and shame associated Mm. with mental Mm -hmm. illness. Mm -hmm. And when culturally there is a framing that any kind of even touch mention inference to mental health is then seen as severe mental illness. Mm. I grew up hearing people say, oh, well, that person's just crazy, right? right? You go from like, I'm struggling to this person can't be a functioning member of society. And that escalation creates such a strong framing that I don't ever want to be there. That's Mm -hmm. scary, right? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so to admit mental health struggle is the first part, right? If you can't admit that you're struggling, there is no way you can move forward and seek help. So I think unwrapping from the stigma and the shame is the first piece. But I think being Asian American and operating under model minority myth also created another level of pressure, Mm. Because model minority myth is this idea where Asian Americans are this caricature monolith where we're all super high achieving, hardworking, we seem to just have it all together in this world. Right. Well, if that is the narrative for your community, then how would you ever want to step outside of that and say, no, actually, I don't have my stuff together. I'm struggling and I need help. So I think that is an added layer that comes from outside our community because people outside of us are viewing us under that stereotype. Mm. And then I think there's kind of two two additional pieces. One is that being a person of color where – You may not speak the language. You may not understand the medical system. You have lots of mistrust for a system that is kind of scary at times. What is going to bring you to the doors of a often white psychologist, often white psychiatrist? And there's also fears a lot from people who have come from war-torn regions. Like the idea of sitting down for an intake and this person asking you all these questions, that in itself can remind you of times where you were interrogated under political regimes, Mm, right? right? So there are lots of kind of connections to that power differential that I think Western psychology does not do a very good job of dismantling. Mm-hmm. And then let me tell you, right, cultural competency was one course in my entire 
doctorate training program. Are you serious? Wow. And that one course during one semester did not ever talk about Asian Americans. They did not talk about Latinx. They didn't talk about a whole bunch of communities. And they did not talk to us about how to interface with communities that were different from ourselves. And then is it safe to say what they said could also have been completely incorrect? (laughs) Yep. Ding, 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 ding. Wow. Exactly. Right? Because the models of training were informed by white Western models. So I think there's that mismatch of providers then who truly can care for our communities in ways that are effective. Mm -hmm. And one example is power differential in Asian society is a big one. Hierarchy. Mm -hmm. So yes, doctor, whatever you say, doctor, if you tell me to do it, I will do it. But that doesn't work in a therapeutic relationship when you're trying to empower your client to make their own decisions. Mm -hmm. And so that model of setting it up where the therapist is the expert cannot be effective with many communities of color. And really quick, shout out to text therapy because I enjoy text therapy and Jenny, by you saying the interrogation vibe sometimes of the therapist session, that is very Mm -hmm. much a thing. And sometimes Mm -hmm. people just need help. I know that Constance shared at the table that she swallowed her abuse and just endured it, right? Just displaying an emotional stoicism that was super not healthy. I probably do it myself now that I'm, the more I I read this and listen to this, I'm like, "Mm, okay, that sounds like me. So Alice, I know you recently shared a blog post about a similar idea, which was unlearning this emotional suppression. Can you share more about what that journey has looked like for you? Because I'm personally all ears. Yeah. Actually, I quote Dr. Jenny in this blog post and the quote that I shared of hers was that emotional stoicism in Asian culture is not a deficit or shortcoming. It was a protective mechanism against the brutality of poverty, colonization, trauma, and dire life circumstances that our parents and ancestors only hoped to survive. We must shift away from blame for their lack of emotional engagement towards a posture of compassion and wonder why they had to shut down their emotional life in the first place. And this particular quote really resonated with me because for me as an Asian American, and I'm also a child of immigrants, I learned at a really young age to suppress my emotions. So whatever I felt didn't really matter in the larger context of what my family was doing in order to survive. So I learned from a very young age that crying was weak, that showing Mm. any emotion was weak, that anything that could be read as positive wasn't necessarily to be shown from an exterior position. And Mm. that could be of celebrations as well. So I literally learned to silence all emotions from a very young age and to just do as told, obey, essentially. And in certain ways, already subscribe to norms that Asian American women have in our society But for me, it was really important upon, again, teaching being a big part of my life and just my personhood to learn what it is to feel in my initial therapy sessions. And I also had a long search for an Asian American therapist who would Mm. serve me because I just did not feel comfortable with going to someone who had a different racial identity where I would have to explain things to. But some of our initial conversations was just what is it that I was feeling and I couldn't necessarily even articulate what it was that I felt because when someone asks you how are you feeling right it's just the answer that we are used to in society is I'm good how about you Mm -hmm. right and there's nothing Mm -hmm. further but if I really dug deep what is it that I was feeling and it was almost like learning how to communicate again and and understanding oh when i use feelings words like when i teach it's beyond sad and happy right. perhaps right. it's disappointed perhaps it is frustrated right and where is the root of all of that so it took a lot of continuous and continues to take peeling of different layers and for me i always rooted it back to things that can make me feel joy just to be able to be part of that healing process. And Mm -hmm. as a music teacher that is in music and also in thinking about how can I empower future Asian American children to be able to have this 
conversation already that made me create a book that talks about what it means to feel and center time within the book to just literally have a child feel Mm. something and let that be visual and let that be seen and heard and talked about. So that's really important. And I wrote that in my book, We Are Golden. Wow. I mean, it's the powerfulness for me. I I am just loving it. Dr. Jenny, I feel proud to know and that you're here together and right. we had no idea about the connection that you have and for <laughs> what you're doing. And you said, I actually used a quote from Dr. Jenny. I was like, oh my gosh, that is just perfect. Alice, as a leader in the Stop Asian Hate Movement, how do you manage the feeling that people have certain expectations of you? For me, I feel that no matter what I do, whether it is as a leader in the Stop Asian Hate Movement, which by the way, really should be activate. Asian power, activate Asian joy movement, not just stopping something. I will always have expectations placed on me. And for me, I just root myself back in why I spoke in the first place and what is my why. I think that's something that is so important to continue thinking about. What is our why when we Mm -hmm. do anything? Mm -hmm. Is our why self-fulfilling? Is it for the community? Can it be both? And I think I really seek something that is more complete and whole where I can share this aspect of my experience. I can share the stage and invite different people within the Asian American diaspora. I identify as East Asian, specifically Chinese, specifically American-born Chinese. That's a lot of very specific things. But within American culture, American-born Chinese folks have a lot of platform in comparison to so much of our diaspora. So what does it mean to not just have my voice there, but also invite different voices within our community to share the stage and not just share the stage, but share the conversation that goes beyond our diaspora and is really intersectional. Mm -hmm. As an Asian American woman teaching Black and Latinx youth, that is something that when people hear that have a lot of issue with and have definitely DM'd me, commented on and continue to. Really? Yes. Yes. It's almost like, well, why can't I care both for Asian community members and for Black children and for Latinx children? And I'm only naming racial differences. So we can have compassion for all of our communities because if we really look beyond the history books that white folks have written over time, we can find the intersections where even the term Asian American is inspired by the civil rights movement. So how can there not have been any connection in that, right? Who knows the history of Malcolm X and Yuri Kochiyama? And so much Mm -hmm. of what I continue to advocate for is for representation, but in the form of Asian American history being taught in schools and not just as an isolated chapter or as an isolated book, but how is this connected to all of our histories? Yes, and not just a monthly celebration. Right. Oh, definitely not. Because as I tell my students, we can celebrate our heritage within a month, but our heritages are meant to be celebrated all year round, every year, our whole lives. And so people will always have expectations, but I just seek to continue dismantling the status quo because the status quo just simply is not enough to serve us at this moment. And again, I also seek to amplify youth. I often now call myself an amplifier before I even think about myself as an educator because Mm. if we really put the mic up to children, children will tell you. And we as adults must listen. We must listen to what it is that they want for their future. And it is my job as an educator then to make sure that I use my power to amplify their voices in different spaces. Oh, I love that. That is so powerful. Come on, amplifier. Imagine what it would be like if it was instead of stop Asian hate, that it was amplify or activate Asian love, right? Yes. Mm. That's so good. That Oh, put it on a t-shirt. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) And we are more than just a t-shirt quote. I just, I didn't didn't want to minimize the moment. I just love it. Oh, gosh. Kyra, we love you. Powerful. I'm going to tell you something. 
We could talk. I literally, I, I mean, for hours and hours and hours. I have grown. I have really given myself, this is some challenging work, right? It is. But you have to make the investment. And so I'm so grateful to both of you, Dr. Jenny and Alice. Thank you both so much for being here with us at the virtual red table. Thank you. Thank you. We want to know how you are feeling about this new season of Red Table Talk. We are open to talk about any and everything with you. So please send in your questions because we read them. Every single one. The email address is let's red table that at redtabletalk.com. And we also have this fantastic new tool. You can leave a voice message for us on Speakpipe. Speakpipe. <laughs> yes. Speakpipe.com slash let's red table that. We are so, so thankful for you for listening with us today. We want you to make sure you subscribe on iHeartRadio app and please rate this podcast on Apple Podcasts. We want a five. Let's be mm-hmm. clear. We'll be back next week for another episode of Let's Red Table That Day. A big thank you to our executive producers, Jada Pinkett-Smith, Ellen Rakuten, and Fallon Jethro. And thank you to our producer, Kyla Kaneru, and our associate producer, Yolanda Chow. And finally, thank you to our sound engineer, Stephanie Aguilar. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, You can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career. And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. From BBC Radio 4. Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from Brain MD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite. With just two caps a day, Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat, and support your weight management journey. And right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com. The lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your your perfect home sweet home.